Until he takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Hassani Dotson, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined by Callum Williams as Minnesota United looks forward to a rematch with Real Salt Lake before a solid three-week break for international play. Uh, first up, Cal, I have the dad joke of the day today, uh, which is what what is the smartest mountain? Um, don't know. Go on. It is... Uh, Mount Cleverest. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> Thank you, family, for getting me a dad joke calendar. Um, I, here's the very important thing I want to start with today, because um, I was mm-hmm. thinking about this. There was a discussion about this. You, you, are, a, you are a fan of pizza, correct? You enjoy a, a pizza? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, who doesn't, who doesn't like pizza? Well, I mean, some people, I'm sure. So here's my question for you. Not like your favorite pizza or whatever like that. If you're ordering a pizza you know, from a place for the first time, like it's just a regular pizza place. It's not a fancy place. It doesn't have something weird. It's sort of like you're a basic pizza place. You need to get a pizza from Um, what's your go-to combo like for toppings. Like what do you order from a pizza place to sort of establish the baseline of how good is this pizza? Will I order it in the future? Like what's, what's the go-to for you? a couple really steve so i mean if it's just like a generic pizza place i would always say you go with the tried and tested pepperoni um i don't think you can ever go wrong with that um there's a wonderful place here in the twin cities which for people uh watching and listening if they haven't tried it out i recommend it's called young Joni. it's in northeast uh it's sensational um would highly recommend people have a have a, a check out of young Joni because they the way that they cook their pizzas is really, really awesome. And they have this Korean barbecue thing, Steve, that is just sensational. So Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so there's a it's a tough one really, Steve, because I'm 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 one of these people where I'm like, I'm not really too bothered about what's on the pizza as long as it's not pineapple. Um okay. I'm not really too fussed to be honest, but uh I, I I'm partial to a little bit of chicken on some pizza as well, I must admit. I, uh, first of all, young Joni seconded. Uh, I think that, uh, Korean barbecue pizza that has short rib on it is, uh, maybe one of my favorite things in the twin cities to eat. Uh, so absolutely young Joni, however, is not a regular pizza place. You, <laughs> I mean, their pizza is excellent, but you're not going to just have to pick out like, you know, pepperoni, you get like cool pizzas at young Joni. Um, yeah, I, I think that pepperoni is good. If, it, if a place can get you a good pepperoni pizza that, what more do you, could you really ask for? Um, I do like to try uh, sausage because if a place has good sausage, that can be excellent. I I like the Supreme, you know, like if you get like the peppers, onions, sausage, 
pepperoni, maybe black olives or mushrooms, something like that. You get like a little sense of both how the veggies are and how the meat is and how it all works with the sauce. And maybe you can decide like, all right, this is this is solid. We can go forward with it. But you bring up a good point with the chicken, because sometimes there's places where like one particular pizza might be might be good. Like maybe they're average pizza is not fantastic but they have something that's particularly good i like parkway pizza uh which is there's a couple of them in the twin cities there's one here in northeast as well and it's like i'll be honest the pizza is not anything like special it's sort of very normal pizza but they have a barbecue chicken pizza that has tomatoes and barbecue chicken and barbecue sauce and uh it's quite good and so that's one of those things that like it's it's an edge case like i wouldn't necessarily call it my go-to for pizza but it's 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 got it's got a couple solid choices on there, but um, but I'm with you. Pizza is pizza. It's it's pretty hard for it to be too bad. I think. Yeah, my wife and I actually made pizza, not entirely from scratch, but we we you can go and buy the dough in um, one of the supermarkets over the road from us here, and um, uh, we decided to make pizza um, on top of the dough, and you know uh, did the whole thing, spread it out, and put whatever you want on it and and we've become quite a fan of doing that actually because you can essentially put whatever you want on your pizza so it's uh never a bad thing yeah uh pizza at home is great um on the grill is fantastic i haven't tried it yet on the smoker um i i've heard that you can do some cool stuff on i have a, I have a traeger and you can do some cool stuff smoking pizza so i may have to try that i do love a good smoked mozzarella and then you can do fun stuff my wife makes uh, a pizza that's like olive oil based rather than red sauce based with corn and um red onions uh it's really good and then there's one that's like barbecue chicken and zucchini that one's quite good as well so yes the the freedom afforded you by making your own pizza is fantastic speaking of uh adding new ingredients to things um you have come from training and you have gotten to see adrian unu and uh franco fragapane uh at training what have been your first impressions of the two of them very good instantly you could see they both add a lot of quality um i loved uh unu's runs off the ball um, he toes the line very well, plays off the shoulder incredibly well. Um, he was high pressing as we expected. He was quick as we expected. He's direct as we thought he would be. Um, he's going to be a very good addition for this team. And I think with the way that Adrian likes to play, I can see Adrian Unu scoring a lot of goals in this team as well. So, um, really good first impression to see him in the flesh for the first time was, was great today, Steve. And then Fragapane, um, just a little guy. I didn't realize he was, I think he's something like five foot four or something. He is, uh, <laughs> he's a, a small individual, um, which, which is funny because, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Instantly people view that as a negative. Lionel Messi was told he was too short to play football. And look how that worked out. Um, really, really good feet. Um, really good in tight spaces. Um I noticed a lot. He, he, as I said, um, I think I put it on social media when the signing was announced. Steve, he's one of these, one of these inverted wingers, where I think mm -hmm. his preference would be to cut in on his opposing foot, as opposed to to go down to the byline and cross the ball. And I think he'd rather cut inside and and play a through ball in, uh, which is good because um, it it also with the way that Adrian likes to play, it allows the fullbacks to push forwards. Uh, it allows the fullbacks to be the main service from from out wide, um, in terms of in terms of crosses coming from out wide. So, um, 
I think that they're going to be two really good additions for the team, Steve. And uh, let's get them integrated as quickly as possible. Let's get them settled in as quickly as possible as well. Obviously, they've um, they've been here over the the off weekend, so I'm, I'm assuming they've been apartment hunting and what have you over over that time. Um, so let's get them settled in as quickly as possible and on the field as quickly as possible as well. I, I would assume, Steve, because uh, Fragapane prior to coming here, it's a good job he arrived when he did and he's had a bit of time to rest because prior to coming here, he played four games in 11 days for Tajeres. Um, and then Unu has has not had as much football. Um, but I would assume now he's he's got the opportunity to train as much as possible with the first team to, to increase the sharpness. So uh, I see no reason, Steve. And quite frankly, with the money that's been spent on both of these players as well, I see no reason why they wouldn't start against Real Salt Lake. Yeah, with um, I was curious about that because I knew that Fragapane has been playing right up until he came here, basically. So he's essentially, his match fitness should be fine. Uh, with Unu, um, you know, obviously he has, he has not played as much recently. Um, it seems like it, it wouldn't be bad to start him because, I mean, we've seen that you can bring um, uh, Avila in at like the 65th minute. And so if you have Unu out there and you're like, he's not going to make it the whole way, you can say like, well, uh, Avila is ready to go in and make a difference in these final, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, like whatever, whatever is left over right there. Um, so you've got that, you've got that opportunity. So it seems like they could both start. Do you think that I was curious about the inverted winger element of, of uh, Fragapane and, a question of, you know, you saying that, you know, he likes to cut inside. It allows overlapping from the fullbacks. That's obviously something that uh, Robin Lud also does on the other side. Is that a kind of thing that it, it's good to have a symmetry there? Like you have two, two wingers who like to go to their, uh, to the opposite foot of what they are feeded. And I don't know how to say this anyways, they're, oh. they're <laughs> you know, so, so you have the, 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 the left, the guy who likes his left on the right side and the guy who likes his right on the left side uh, to cut inside. Is it, do you feel like it's good to have both those guys work that way so that you have the same kind of thing happening on both sides of the field? I'm not entirely convinced it matters a huge deal, Steve, but I, I think again, with the way that this system is set up, it probably helps to be honest, because also as well, whilst those two inverted wingers tuck in, it also gives Emmanuel Reynoso, um, in my opinion, I, I see people's um, theories about it being a little too congested on top of the box there, and I, I get that. But I actually think um, what it'll do is it'll actually free Reynoso up a little more into somewhat of a free roll, actually, which which could be a good or a bad thing, But because um, he likes to drop a little deeper than, than I think... Um, would be preferred, but um, I, I think uh, again, Steve, um, particularly on on the counter press as well, it, it's going to be so good having those three players pushing uh, behind Unu as well. Um, this this is um, this is by far, Steve. I was I was just prepping. I started my prep yesterday for the game uh, on Saturday. This when you look down the roster, this is by far the best team Minnesota United have had, and, and the the dual sort of tends to drop further to the ground the more you you scroll down the roster and you see the players available. So um, I think it's good though, Steve. I think, as we've said before on this podcast, when you've got inverted wingers, um, often as a, as, a, as a fullback, if you're going up against a winger, um, sometimes your, your preference, if, if, as you said earlier on, you've got a left winger who is left-footed, your preference usually is to it's to open your body and show them inside because that means they 
they have to execute with a weaker foot if they are going to execute. Um, I'm not saying that'll be the case for for oppositions uh, against Minnesota, but I think if they get it wrong and they expect that they expect um, Fragapane to to go down the line and cross the ball in, um, you know, from the right hand side of the penalty area with his left foot, I think they'll be surprised. I think, as I said earlier on, his preference would be to to, to maneuver inside and, and and slip a ball through. So, you know, we'll. Um, We'll wait and see, uh, but we, we've seen already the, the advantages of it through Robin Lurd and how much com- how much more comfortable he is on the far side because um, it does open up angles um, that, that aren't necessarily going to be there if you've got what you would call a, a modern-day winger. So uh, I think it gives Minnesota United so many more options. And as I said, they, they get the crosses from out wide anyway because of the overlapping fullbacks. So I think it's going to be a really good thing for Minnesota. Um, yeah, I, that, that system is, as we've, we've seen it when it, when it's really humming, it can really work. And so I think that obviously if you can get the complementary complementarity on both sides, both can do that kind of thing. You can see Chase Gasper and Roman Mentonier both advance, um, you know, that, that would work fantastically. Um, oh, oh, the other follow-up I wanted to ask was about Unu and, and the, and the, the pressing, uh, counter pressing, uh, high pressing forward question. It's obviously something that's come up before we've talked about it and talked about how, you know, uh, you know, uh, Abila is not a, is not a pressing uh, uh, forward. Give us an idea of what, like, if we're watching the game, we're going to see, and and Unu is playing. What are we going to see? Like, what should we be watching for to sort of understand, you know, what is involved in pressing from the forward position? Okay, so there's two things here, Steve. There's pressing when you don't have the ball, and there's pressing when you do have the ball. So pressing without the ball, it is a preference. Um, in Adrian Heath's system, that the ball is with the two opposing centre-halves. Because usually the stereotypical thought process here is that centre-backs are probably the worst footballers on the field in terms of worst outfield players. You know, there's a reason why you're not a wide uh, attacking player or a centre-forward. It's because you're not necessarily as gifted um, as a a passer as you should be, or you're not necessarily um, as creative uh, as other players and what have you. But you are defensively sound. So um, sometimes that, you know, the, the insinuation is that when you've got somebody high pressing off the ball, um, it can lead to a mistake for two centre-halves. Um, and we, we, we've seen it countless of times across world football since the existence of the game uh, and, and since this high pressing um, tactic became a thing. Um, so, so I think um, Unu will absolutely be doing that. You can't really do it with, with Ramon Avila, as we've said before. That's not his game. Um, you could probably do it with Juan Agudelo, uh, depending on how his fitness is. Uh, you could do it with Foster Langsdorff because he's um, he's got a bit of pace about him. Um, and you, you you can do it to a certain amount with Robin Lourdes. But again, pace is not something that, that he's known for. Um, so Unu, I think, really gives Minnesota um, the high-pressing need that's been obvious uh, for some time. So that that's off the ball, Steve. Um, and, and as I said, it's essentially you are closing down. You are making it awkward for the two central defenders in particular, uh, the goalkeeper, the two fullbacks um, uh, as well, but essentially the two centre-backs. On the ball, um, again, it's one of them where, um, let's say, for example, um, Emmanuel Reynoso picks up the ball, right? And he's able to get away from 
the nearest challenger. So let's just say, for example, let's assume this weekend Everton Louise is playing in the central midfield for RSL, right? Mm-hmm. So Reynoso picks the ball up and um, Unu straight away will start to press off the ball. He'll start to push forward. He can only go so far because obviously if he goes too far, then he's offside when the pass comes in. But if he presses, it does force the two centre-backs backwards. It does because they have to mark him especially when you've got somebody like a Reynoso with the ball at his feet, you can't take that risk of, of not being closer to him. Because if you just let him go, sometimes that pass is as crisp as it needs to be and it's, it's played through and all of a sudden you're, you're high up the field as a centre-back and you're looking behind you and you've got Adrian Unu who's had a touch or two and he's behind and, and he's going to score. So um, what, what's going to happen then is, as I said, Unu will press uh, and I expect the wide players will press in this system as well. Um, and also the fullbacks will press as well. You'll, you'll notice, Steve, as soon as Reynoso gets the ball at feet, um, everybody, everybody turns. It's, the, the transition is so obvious. And um, as I said, what it does is it, it puts the opposing back line under so much pressure. So um, when he's got the, when Minnesota have the ball, um, it, I think Minnesota are probably the most, when, when they have the ball, they're the most obvious pressing team in the league right now. And that's okay. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but I, I think um, this is going to really work for Minnesota, Steve, having a high-pressing forward. I can't remember off the top of my head, Minnesota really ever having a pressing centre forward. Um, if you go through the names over the years, I mean, Ramirez was never a pressing forward, and yet he had a good return in 2017 with 14 goals. Um, Rodriguez was not a pressing forward because he was a target man and that allowed Minnesota to play that way for a bit Kai Kamara is a, a box forward and a target man um, so Minnesota and, and Minnesota played that way for a long time as well where the ball was pinged out wide and the crosses would fly in and, and, and the, the aim there was to find the target man um, I can't remember off the top of my head Steve Minnesota ever having a proper pressing centre forward so so I, I think this is going to be really good Steve and as I said you know it, it'll frighten the living daylights out of the opposing back line when um, <clears throat> when Minnesota pick the ball up and all of a sudden you've got four or five players that are pressing towards your goal because as a, as a defender there's only so much you can do against him yeah it's you know and there's there's sort of that um numbers game to play right if you've got if you've got Reynoso in attack and you've got both you know wingers pressing and you've got the fullbacks pressing that's essentially five people going forward you know against a four-man back line um you hope that you create mismatches in that place and uh the, the, the problem is when that doesn't work out then you've got you know a double pivot if you're playing against a team that's like a 4-3-3 three, three or something like that, then they've got an advantage in midfield. And you've seen a play out with like Adrian trying out different using the 4-3-3 three, three or, or occasionally like things like the 3-5-2 and stuff like that to play some of that numbers game. But yeah, if it works, if everybody is is making the pressure happen. Um, and we've seen some of that, you know, like even without a, a, a true pressing forward, like when the team has played really well um, in that first half against Seattle, a couple of times in the last couple of games, it's, it's, you can look at the other team after about 15 minutes and you can see that they're just like, as soon as the ball's coming into their feet, they're like, who is, who is coming at me? And that's a great thing to do to another team because then they start there. It's the other team can't really get comfortable. And that's, that's the way that Minnesota, I think Adrian actually specifically addressed that at one point talking about it sort of during the, the four game losing streak. And, um, 
saying that, you know, they, their identity should be a team that people don't like to play against, um, that they're not fun to play against. And that that's that he wanted to get some of that back. And I think we've seen that in the last couple of games, Kyle. Yeah, I think so. I think there was a little more grit um, in both games, really. I, I think there was a, the obvious example is the Dallas game, because you need some grit and determination to, you know, to, to get to the 93rd, fourth minute and, and score a goal. Um, and the amount of efforts that Minnesota were able to execute as well. But I think um, we, we saw it against Vancouver as well, particularly in the, the centre of midfield. Ozzy Alonso is just the absolute epitome of, of grit, isn't he? You know? yeah. um, and um, I think Asani Dalton gives you some of that as well. Michael Boxall, I, I think, could be in the same category as Alonso as well in, in terms of um, no messing around type attitude. Um, and yeah, I think, I, I think the quote was something along the lines of, we, we've been too nice is what Adrian said, to my knowledge. Um, you, you can't afford to be too nice in this league. You know, this, this league now, Steve, is one of those leagues where if you if you don't take your chances, you will be punished. You know, years ago that wasn't the case, um, and you you knew you were going to get another chance at some stage. But but now because of the parity in this league, you have to take your chances. Um, and and with the quality coming in the league as well, um, you, you have to take your chances now because if you don't, somebody else will. So. Um, it's going to be really interesting, Steve. Um, I am. Um, I, I know it. Look, the season started not so well, right? And and I I understand people's frustrations uh, and caution there. Um, but honestly, looking at the roster now and and having watched them train today, and I'm looking forward to watching them train on Friday afternoon as well. Um, I can honestly say this, Steve. I'm I'm. I think I'm as optimistic as I ever have been working for Minnesota United in terms of what the overall outcome of this season will be. And and in my opinion, that is still a top four finish in the Western Conference, and I think that's achievable. All right. Well, I'm going to write it down. I'm not quite there yet, but I get to see a little more. And again, this is such a weird stretch here to have a bye week and then a, a single game with probably two new players starting and then, you know, almost a month off. It's going to be like, I'm just sort of, I feel like this game against RSL is going to be a little odd. Do you have, it's a little early in the week for, and I, of course, I would not never expect you to, to divulge privileged information about lineups, but, you know, what do you see uh, for the team aside from those, you know, sort of the the, the front four? Like, I know that uh, uh, Bakai Debasi has been, has been working his way back. Um, you know, how is, how has he been? Does it, does it look like he's up and ready to go maybe at this point? And uh, what's that, what's that midfield rotation looking like as far as, you know, between Trap and Gregouche and, uh, Gregouche, I don't know why I said it that way. Gregouche, uh, Hazani Dotson, um, Ozzy Alonso, a, a embarrassment of riches in that position. Like, how, how do you see Adrian approaching this game? Again, a one-off, uh, sort of before a long break. Yeah, and look, Steve, I'm happy to sort of predict what I think the lineup is going to be because there was no sort of hint of that today in training at all. Um, and, and so, yeah, look, you're, you're right. Um, Baka Dibassi, um was was fine. He looked good. He looked sharp. He looked happy. He looked fit. Um, so one would assume he would be back in the starting eleven. And I know that's perhaps a little unfair to Brent Coleman, who I, I thought was very good against FC Dallas. Um, but this is why you have these players here to provide competition. Um, I, I would assume, again, it, there's no reason why Tyler Miller won't be in goal. Um, I would assume it would be Metanier, Boxall, Dibassi and Gasper across the back line. Gasper, by the way, today, Steve as well, was very, very confident as well. Much more sure of himself. There were several really good challenges that he made. Positioning was really good when they were going through some defensive drills as well. He looks like he's back to the chase Gasper that we all remember from 2019. So let's hope that's the case. 
The big question for me, Steve, now is against Real Salt Lake, again, I would assume it would be a full 2-3-1. But the big question for me is what do they do with the, the double pivot in the centre of midfield? Do, do they do they go with uh, Will Trapp and Jan Gregus and um, the, the familiarity that we've seen over the, the last few weeks? Does Ozzy Alonso get a run in there because it's an, an away game? Um, do they opt to, to go a different route? Um, I don't know. In my opinion, Steve, what I would do, um, I, I would personally go with Will Trapp and Hassani Dalton in the centre of midfield. Um, Hassani Dalton, to me, is such a key player in the transition, and he gives you so much in both boxes. Um, his energy and his pace um, give you so much more um, than Jan Gregush. Um, I, I think Jan Gregush is a very, very good player. I think he's a deep-lying playmaker um, and has obviously got a lovely passing range about him. Some of the some of the passes he executes, Steve, there was one particular one in training today where he just pinged the ball and it, it, it went a good 40 yards in the air and it was absolutely beautifully struck. Um, so Gregush is, is, um, is good in, in a transition team like from, from that point of view for sure. But I just think Asani Dodson can carry the ball a bit more. Whereas Jan will, will ping balls, and that's fine. It, it, either is fine. But I think on the roads, I, I would prefer to have somebody carry the ball a little more. Um, and, and I would prefer somebody to, to have a little more pace to, to get back on the defensive side of things as well, if, if, if needs be. Um, so that's what I would go with. I would go with Trapp and Dotson. Um, I would then go with um, the three behind the forward from right to left. I would go Lerd, Reynoso, and Fragapane. And I would have Unu up top. And, and I think that's probably about as strong as you can get right now for Minnesota United. And as I said earlier on, Steve, I think it's about as strong as the team has ever been in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I, I, I love Jan Gregus and I think he brings a lot to the team. And, and, and you know, again, it's, it's great to have four guys in, in for two positions to fit and you can do different things with them. I wonder about the question of like, it, there's an outside, there's a possibility that um, after the international break that Gregus would not be back for the first game back, I believe, based on possible results. It might be one of those times where you say, let's, let's put out Dotson and Trap, even just for that factor to say, like, let's get these guys, you know, sort of familiar with it in case that they have to come back from a long layoff and start because we don't have young Gregoosh. Um, and also to your point, you sort of give Dotson is more um, aggressive and and forward uh, than than Gregoosh. And then Trap gives you some of that pinging, gives you some of that pinging ability also from the back. You're, you're losing, I would say with between Dotson and Trap, you lose, if you don't have Ozzy, you lose some of that simple defensive grit and tenacity and that sort of natural tendency to drop back between the, the, the center backs and kind of like hold things down at the top of the box. But, um, you know, you're, you've only got two positions. You can't have everything. So you sort of need to pick your poison to some extent, I guess. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, are we completely against the idea of it being a 4-3-3 as well? You know, yeah. Because if there's any situation on, on the road, you know, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I mean, um, that, that's what I think is going to happen. And, um, you know, may, maybe it's the other the other side of it, Steve, and they opt to go with Gregush to, to use him before he heads off to the Euros. I, I know he's not sure. been in the in the preliminary roster announcement yet. Both him and, and Albert Rushnak are on play, um, not on the preliminary roster announcement for Slovakia. But to my understanding, um, they've just been held back for the time being, obviously because um, uh, the Slovakia national team are going to be be training and playing a few warm up games. Um, but to, to my knowledge, those 
those two players will make the, the full roster and they'll be heading over to Euro 2020. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to give a quick appreciation also for Robin Lidd, who I looked into the, the, the numbers a little bit with him uh, and how, how good he's actually been for Minnesota United so far. He's He has two goals and two assists, which leads the team in both goals and assists currently, which is obviously not necessarily gaudy to look at those numbers, but it's also it's early days right here. Uh, I wrote about this a little bit in this, this storylines article that went up yesterday, but um, if you go in and, and sort of dig into some of the numbers on American soccer analysis as far as expected goals, um, this is the part where I get nerdy about numbers. Uh, his current expected goals uh, total is 3.08. So you, that's the idea is that based on the qualities of his of his shots, you might expect him to have as many as three or possibly four goals at this point. That has him not far behind Inter Miami's Gonzalo Iguain, who last I looked was a pretty good goal scorer at 3.29, and Chris Wondolowski at 3.08. Um, so he's right in there. It also has him ahead of uh, Alan Polito, who has 2.56, and Jesus Medina, who's also looked quite good uh, at 2.56. And then if you add in the fact that he's not strictly, you know, a, 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 he's not a, he's played the false nine, but he is also a, a chance creator and a playmaker. In addition to that, if you do expected goals plus expected assists, uh, he has 4.32. And that means he's only behind Rui Diaz, Chicharito and Heal in the league. So he's fourth in expected goals plus expected assists. And that company is excellent. I mean, Heal has looked like, you know, an MVP worthy player for a uh, uh, New England Rebs team that's leading the Eastern Conference, and uh, Chicharito and Rui Diaz are one and two in the Golden Boot race. So that's a uh, that's quite good company. And the thing that I particularly like about it is it, he's not even a, he's not a very ball dominant player. Like he, he he both as a scorer and a playmaker, he receives the ball and he makes the move. He's either scoring or he's making the next pass. He's eleventh on the team in touches per ninety. Uh, at 44.09. So he's he, he he's not touching the ball a whole lot, but what he's doing with it is fantastic. I mean, he's also second in touches in the box per 90 at 7.11 behind only Avila, who I think is like 12 or something like that. So obviously a part of that is he's playing the role of the forward. But again, he's not getting a ton of touches, but what he's doing with it is fantastic and he's getting them in high leverage spots. And I just... I wanted to give a shout out to him because I know, I mean, I think everybody has figured out that he's a good player, but he did suffer a little bit, I think, coming into the league when he did uh, coming off the back of a, of a long season and, and and a layoff. And I think he's just shown how how valuable he is to the team, Cal. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Look, let's let's not tiptoe around it as well. Look, at the start of the, um, the Robin Lord era, um, I don't think he was played in his best position. Um, and that's not... Um, saying anything against the staff or anything because he's played in that position for Finland. He's played in that position for Sporting Hihon. He's played in that position for Panathinaikos and, and done very well. I just think it's obvious he's been much more effective on that right-hand side and, and now, as we've seen as well, um, in an unnatural false nine role as well. So um, I think he's been great. Um, he, he's been such, um, such a breath of fresh air. He's been He's so different to what Minnesota have had in the past when you think of wide players as well, Steve. Again, he's not one of these players that, that's what, what you would call a traditional old-fashioned winger and, and get to the byline and cross the ball in. He's very, very different. Um, I, I, I think he's wonderful. And he gives you so many different avenues, so many different angles um, and propositions because um, he can essentially play across the, the three behind the forward and as the forward as well. I've even at one stage, Steve, I saw him whilst we were first getting word that Minnesota were going to sign him. I, I watched a bit of tape on him for the national team. And at one stage, he was playing as a central midfielder in the eight role. Yeah. So he's, he's about as utilitarian as they come, really. And um, 
He's been such a good signing. I'm also really, really happy for, for him and Yuka Raitelar as well. You know, going to the Euros, the first of a major championship um, appearance for, for Finland. It, it's wonderful. I love the story. We all love an underdog, don't we? So it's it, it's great to see them both involved in, in the tournaments in, in Europe this summer. Um, and I think uh, I think just about everybody associated with Minnesota United will be cheering on for Finland for sure. Absolutely. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Now we're going to talk about fashion, Cal. Uh, we had a couple of cool drops happening this week for Minnesota United. Um, we have the the new capsule collection, which is uh, a collaboration with Hybrid Nation, which is a local um, clothing uh, and 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 fashion brand uh, started by Jeremy Sutherland, who's the brother of uh, Justin Sutherland, the chief culinary consultant in Allianz Field. And uh, he's an entrepreneur who's been working on this brand for a long time. Uh, under the banner of In Diversity We Trust. It's on almost all their gear. I have a great hat, which... Uh, do I have one? No, I don't have it down here. Sometimes I have it down here because sometimes my hair is terrible and I just put on that that nippy that says In Diversity We Trust. It's great. And uh, it features that logo on a bunch of our stuff. It was designed in collaboration with Michael Boxall, um, which I didn't know that Boxy had. I mean, I guess, you know, Boxy's wife has, has you know, a, a cosmetic line, sort of a skincare, you know, health health line. So he's obviously has some experience in, in that sort of Instagram world of, of marketing and things like that but uh the stuff looks great i don't know if you've gotten to see any of it in person or if it's you've seen it online uh there's this bomber jacket that's quilted it looks really comfy there's the the there's a quarter zip pullover which i am a total sucker for and i already ordered that one um i had to order it like everybody else it's limited so i <laughs> i was just like cue it up it looks great uh some track pants which i can't really rock track pants it's not really my vibe uh, i'm like a sweatpants or jeans guy and then there's a dad hat that says in diversity we trust it's got a really nice loon feather again i'm not a dad hat guy i'm a fitted hat guy but it looks great um have you gotten to check out the stuff i mean it's been up on instagram and sort of blown up all over the place there yeah no uh, i've seen it on social media steve and obviously we got a bit of a sneak preview courtesy of, of our merchandise lady katie burke who um always gives us the scoop in terms of when we we have new things coming out so um yeah it looks great it, it looks really really good um I I bet you it's going to sell very very fast. Um, it's it just um, it, what what I wonder what's going to happen here, Steve, is something that that happened in Kansas City a, a while ago, um, and and there was sort of a, a fashion brand launched, and all of a sudden it became really cool to wear sporting KC stuff, um, and not just because it was the jersey or um, you know because. You know, we were wearing stuff like this, you know, hoodies or whatever. It just, there was a real clever collaboration between the club and a few designers. Now it looks like that's happened with Minnesota United. And I bet you, I'm going to bet you a surly beer on this, Steve. <laughs> I bet you that before too long, we're going to see a lot of Minnesota United. We already see a lot of Minnesota United stuff on, around the Twin Cities anyway. Yeah. But I, I'm talking about this sort of stuff that, is almost a step away from football as well and a step into um, normality, normal life, uh, fashion as well. I, I wonder if, if we see more of that stuff around over the course of the next couple of years. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if this line and, and 
the Minnesota United stuff that's accompanying it really become one of several things to wear in the Twin Cities. I'll be very, very interested there because to my knowledge already, Steve, as you've sort of insinuated earlier on, it's selling very, very fast. And and so the early signs are that the answer to my my sort of rhetorical question will be yes. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good looking stuff and there's been some cool capsule collection stuff we've done before. It's an opportunity for uh the, the brand to stretch out and collaborate with different designers and uh there's some very cool uh hats uh that we that we that got done I think two years ago, which I have two of those as well. Um it's 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 fun stuff. It's it's a little different. It's kind of eye-catching. The bad looks great. So anytime people use it and do cool stuff, uh it, it's fun and I think it's it's good looking stuff and i you know it's you always want to cultivate um engaged fans and more fans but in some ways it's got to be in some ways there's something beautiful about if somebody's wearing an mnu ufc gear and is like i don't really follow the team i just think it looks cool like that's that's reaching a level of sort of cultural currency that's uh that's kind of cool um a little closer to the field there's also the drop of the the prime blue jerseys which are uh coming out all across mls and and teams are wearing them it's uh sort of the latest iteration of the um adidas's uh, collaboration with Parlay for the for the oceans. The jerseys are made with uh, repurposed ocean plastic, and again, as everybody was shocked when your fleece turned out to be made of of water bottles, like it's it just, it just <laughs> seems like it just seems like clothes. It doesn't seem like it's made of something weird, but uh, they're good looking jerseys. I mean, it's it's it, at first it's a little weird because you see them and they, there's only sort of two colorways, and there's like a sort of a white blue and then like a darker blue with orange. And I was like, wait, is this an FC Cincinnati like? <laughs> kit like why, why are we wearing that but it's actually one of those jerseys that it looks really good in person uh which i think there's it, they've done that i think the same thing can be said of the blue the the river kit that came out this this year that like at first you're like oh okay it seems fine and then you see it in person you're like it's really it's got a nice subtlety to it and i think that the uh, uh the parlay one also looks like that it's got it, it's cool and the first time there was a parlay jersey i didn't really take any notice of it and then i saw people wearing it and i was like man i should have got one of those when i could so that's another that's another good one for people to try to get out there and cop when they can yeah go out and buy it because again I, I know um is it the the pre-sales i, I was told steve are, are through the roof so again um if you the, the message here the overriding message is that Minnesota United is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, you <want> some, <laughs> if you want some stuff, if you really, really want some stuff, you've got to go and buy it quick because this is going to go out of stock extraordinarily fast. Yeah, my quarter zip pullover is waiting at the store for me. I just haven't gotten to get over to Allianz Field yet, but it's sitting there somewhere, and uh, I have to go pick it up myself in person. <laughs> let's uh, let's close by just talking about RSL a little bit, sort of focusing on the op- up- upcoming opposition. Um, you know, I dug into some some numbers. There's some some interesting things about uh, RSL in Minnesota. Uh, one of my favorite ones that I came up with is that Minnesota have scored uh, 15 of uh, 17 total goals uh, against RSL in the second half very second half team against, against RSL. Uh, and I had, man, I had another one that I now don't have in this document that I have up, but it was that RSL has scored a majority of their goals in the final 15 minutes of the first half and conceded a majority of their goals in the final 15 minutes of the second half, I think. So there's sort of some interesting things there, you know, that, again, they're a team that I think historically we've seen as Minnesota United became not, you know, after the first year, two years, I would say, RSL and Minnesota United are frequently sort of tussling in that position, uh, you know, you know, down the stretch of, you know, 
bottom half of, of playoff contending, trying to get into that playoff picture. Minnesota United obviously has succeeded to get up into that, that, that top half of the draw. But RSL is one of those teams that always, always plays tough and has some great players. Uh, I mean, Rubio Rubin looks fantastic uh, so far this season. So um, what's, what's been your assessment of RSL so far? They sort of opened hot and then have seemed to cool off a little bit with uh, two draws and a loss now. Yeah, but I, I think um, a lot of people expected them to be, to be really in the basement, Steve, and, and not have a lot about them this year. I, I think they've been incredibly astute in the transfer market so far. I, I hear they're about to add a couple of more pieces as well. Um, I, I don't know too many details there, to be honest, but the, the point is is that, that they're probably going to get better than what they are at the moment as well. Uh, Rubio Rubin has, has been a revelation so far. Four goals in the last four games. Um, and this is a, a centre-forward who was really looking for an opportunity uh, bounced around Europe. He played in, in the Netherlands, Denmark, Norway, um, and, and ended up playing in uh, in USL with, with San Diego under Landon Donovan last year, uh, just so he could play and, and and keep himself fit. And I think the idea was that hopefully he would get an MLS move. And Real Salt Lake have given him that opportunity, um, knowing that uh, Bobby Woods, uh, the US men's national team forward, is is set to join them. Uh, mid-June, I believe, his, his wife was, was giving birth in Denmark, so I, I think mm. they opted to stay in Denmark, and, and, and he'll be available in the summer. Uh, but in the meantime, it was the understanding that Rubio Rubin would, would be the centre-forward of choice, um, and so far, so good. He's looked really, really good. The bicycle kick that he scored uh, earlier this year was was absolutely outrageous, and, and yeah. that, that, that sort of goal belongs anywhere in world football. That was absolutely sumptuous, that was. Um, the, the major... Um, the major questions I've really got now for Minnesota against Real Salt Lake is how do you contain Damir Krylak? Because Krylak is is um, one of these players where when he was playing for Union Berlin in Germany, Steve, I always saw him as a traditional number eight, as a box-to-box type midfielder. He's played at centre-forward for Real Salt Lake. At the moment, he's operating as a 10, 10 and a half-ish <laughs> Um, and, and no one really seems to know what his what his preferred role is in in this Real Salt Lake system. But whatever he's doing, he's doing it very well. Two goals and three assists in five games. So um, that's that's always a bit of a head scratcher for me because because his game with this team is so unique. I think it 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 often delivers a, a head-scratching moment or two for opposing coaches because there's there's no real traditional way of, of getting the better of him. So that's that's a really intriguing proposition for Minnesota to deal with. Uh, he's also a big boy as well, so he's very dangerous mm-hmm. on set pieces. So um, that, that'll be a danger area for them as well. Um, I also wonder what they're going to do in the centre of midfield because Everton Luis has, has not played as much football as, as many would hope this year. Um, had one or two little niggling injuries. Um, so, so that'll be interesting to see what they do there in the centre of midfield. Um, they, they've got some good players. Um, you know, Nick, Nick Beasler hardly puts a foot wrong. Uh, yes, the, the brother of Austin FC's Matt. Um, very solid in the centre of midfield. I wonder do they give a chance to Justin Portillo in the centre of midfield as well, you know. Uh, they have an abundance of homegrown players who, who can come in and do a job for sure. And the other one that, that Minnesota really became um, accustomed to to having to deal with in the, the first game between these two was Anderson Julio. Mm-hmm. Um, South American winger who, when Real Salt Lake came to Minnesota, they, they played such a wonderful 
counter press and, and it, it beat Minnesota twice. Um, I, I don't think that's how they're going to play at home against Minnesota on Saturday. But either way, with the way that the Minnesota fullbacks will gallivant forward as we expect, that's going to be on the mindset of, of Adrian Heath and Cole for sure. So um, I just wonder, Steve, I wonder how they plan to get the better of the wide players for, for Real Salt Lake. But no doubt RSL have, have got a good team. I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. I'll put my hands up and say I, I thought they were going to be uh, distinctly average this year. And I know we've got a lot of football to play yet, but I, I didn't think they'd be anywhere near where they are at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they're managed by a, a good old uh, former Minnesota Thunder kid as well, Freddie Juarez. So, um, you know, they're, uh, they're a good team. I like them. Um, they, they've gone under the radar big time here. And I think this is going to be an extremely difficult task for Minnesota on Saturday. Yeah, I wonder about, you know, the possibility of, again, we were talking about the, the midfield from Minnesota and that, you know, we, we've seen um, Adrian deploy Hassani Dotson as a sort of destroyer where he sort of picks out, he's sort of assigned to the, the, the most dangerous, you know, deeper line playmaker to just sh- shut them down and just stay on that guy. And, it, and like, if that kind of move is made against, you know, Demir Krylak or somebody like that to just say like, whoever is the creator. I mean, again, Krylak sort of toes that line as far as being an, you know, an attacker and a distributor, but, um, but you know, who's that guy? Can you get, does that help uh, as far as allowing the fullbacks to come up forward? If you've got somebody else who's sort of pinning down the guy who's trying to make things happen on that counterattack. And again, like you said, counterattacking might not be on the menu for RSL at home. That tends to be a thing that you see more from teams when they go uh, on the road and they need to sort of play against, you know, um, a, a team that's, that's feeling themselves at home. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting. RSL has been a, a good, a good team to play against. Unfortunately, the loons aren't going to get to have their revenge on David Ochoa who won't be available uh, in goal. So that'll, that, that'll have to wait for another time, I guess, Cal. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to point out, actually, one one thing for your game notes here, Steve, as well. The last time, well, I, I fully expect Zach McMahon to, to be the goalkeeper, by the way. I know okay. just one or two suggestions that Andrew Putner would be in goal because he's been the second choice for RSL. But I, I think Zach McMahon may very well come in because he is experienced. You know, he's played for Vancouver, Philadelphia um, and Colorado over the years. Um, and he actually started and played for the Real Monarchs, the USL team for, for Real Salt Lake mm-hmm. this past weekend. To me, that says they're trying to get him a little bit of game time. They're trying sure. to get him sharp and ready for the game to come against Minnesota. But anyway, in terms of your game notes, Steve, the last MLS appearance for Zach McMahon was in September of 2020, last season, when Minnesota beat Rail Salt Lake by four goals to nil. So there you go. There you um, go. Good tidbit. We'll, uh, we'll wait and see, but I, I would expect it to be Zach McMahon um, in goal for, for Rail Salt Lake. Let, let's not forget as well that Albert Rushnak may want to give a good performance as well just before he heads off to, to Euro 2020 as well. Um, Palo Ruiz is, is so underrated in the centre of midfield as well. So they're a good team, Steve. If, if you offered me a point away to RSL right now, I'd absolutely take it. Yeah, I think absolutely when you're looking at obviously coming off of four losses and then two wins, you're like, we got to keep winning. But hey, point is a point and you got to take it where you can and on the road sometimes that's that's about as much as you can hope for so uh so we'll look forward to that this weekend uh i mean i would look forward to three points as well uh thanks for joining us for the 146th sound of the loons podcast sixth is hard to say presented by alana health orthopedics be sure to leave us a nice review on itunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on twitter at mnufc you can follow cal at cal williams com you can follow me at steve Entress. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.